0: Kings, fellow travellers, and welcome to The Way of the Showman, where we view the world through the lens of showmanship. I am Captain Frodo, and I will be your gracious host and guide along the way. And today's uh, exciting episode picks up again where we left off last week. That is to say, after that conversation me and Jay had there, then uh, the next uh, night, which we had stolen away again, managed uh, to get some time just to ourselves, um... We started up another conversation and as you hear right in the very beginning of this uh, we didn't get very far the night before um, in, uh, (laughs) in the conversation he said he had two questions and we only really got to deal with one so today we continue on talking a little bit about magic and we delve into a whole bunch of other topics so without further ado Let's just uh, roll straight on in to the next uh, second part of this uh, three-part series of Helsinki Conversations. We recorded this in Helsinki and it was so much snow everywhere and it was so cold. And uh, as I'm recording this in uh, Haugusten, Norway, we're having a storm which uh, intermittently has snow in it and hail and rain. So it's just right on the border of zero. So uh, it's... uh, it's uh, aptly bringing back the memories of an icy cold winter in Helsinki, Finland. Here, Jay Gilligan and yours truly in the second Helsinki conversation. Enjoy.
1: So, yes, I had two questions I was going to ask you yesterday. We only got to one. Yeah, we only got to one. <laughs> so Actually,
2: I must say, after we, so we spoke for like more than an hour. Mm. And I can't quite remember what the question was. Because you <laughs> kept sort of setting up and then there was questions being asked and then you kept sort of going on. This brings me around to asking the question. What was the question that you asked last time? Just to sum it up so I can put it in the title of the last one.
1: <laughs> the The question was around this idea that for Danny D. Ortiz, as an example, the character was intrinsic to the technique. Oh, yeah, but you yeah, couldn't yeah. separate them out. Yeah. And I find that really fascinating, this idea that... Because people like to talk about character as something separate or something else, right? They mm. always say, like, yeah, that's really good, but you could work on your character. And it's like, well, hold on. Mm. If my character is, again, linked so so tightly interwoven with the... And I, when I say technique, it can be anything. It can yeah, yeah, yeah. be a, the effect. Yeah, it can then, be the effect or it can be the, the, juggling, the, the juggling sequence that you're going to show, yeah. Exactly. Then you can't really talk about character as a separate thing. You can focus on it. But that's not generally what people are doing when they talk about it. They kind of imply that you can slap something else on top of it. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, that's not... For, at least in the case of Danny D'Ortiz, his character, his his apparent chaotic nature, his touching, his pointing, his mannerisms, they are, they are the exact technique by which the thing works. And I don't mean his skill as a magician, his technical mm. skill. I'm talking about the psychological effect yeah. that makes the people follow his what he makes it makes the people do what he wants them to do and this is like when i
2: spoke then in the last time for that question i spoke about the character and then you have the material and the structure of it's like that the character is that's what they're doing then all of this i think also that as three-dimensional uh showmanship yeah like there are three dimensions to what you do and those things are connected to having ideas in your thing and making emotional connections and the actual physical stuff that you do on stage and that to me is those three dimensions and you can become a two-dimensional uh, thing if you don't have a character at all so the character is like it's is vanishingly little and it disappears away so there are some skills in a certain structure and the result more often than not is that as you watch that act you don't feel emotionally engaged because the character is the aspect of what you do, which the audience most easily can connect to. You could potentially connect to... Because yeah. you know, even I was going to say you can potentially connect to whether this guy manages to throw the, what the it? Uh, ring up onto the stick, if, right. if that's what you do. Like, But even there, if that person, if you don't think that's a real person that he genuinely wants to do it. And then when he he triumphs at throwing the ring on the stick, you go, Oh my God, that is amazing. That's partly because you're sharing him. And that's the character that really reaches out to, to, move you like that but if the character comes out and it's a real nice guy and then he just keeps going whoa guys whoa guys but he doesn't have any actual physical <laughs> skills and he doesn't actually do something after a while you'll go this guy is a bit of a mm-hmm. he asks for a lot of attention but he's got nothing to show and then after a while you start to dislike him because he doesn't give it to you or that he comes out and has lots of skills not in the structure then that also so that's kind of like three-dimensional showmanship and in a well balanced human being in the world you feel like oh this is a nice person like oh going great like oh we had a good conversation and he made me feel good and and uh, and then we did, he showed me something cool and that's when you see what is an example of Danny Ortiz that he has all these three things he has an incredibly likable character, and like you say, he's doing all this thing. He's moving around, he's pushing people and going, "Come closer, do this," and he's touching people and he's leaning over the table and doing all this sort of stuff. And his character is interwoven into the way that he behaves. is completely interwoven with his uh, with his uh, material, like the the what how he presents it, and also the technique to make the make it done. and um, the ideas that he presents in his acts are expressed clearly and whatever. So you feel this is an authentic character because how he behaves, what he says and what he does fully resonates with what's inside of him. You feel this is all coming directly from him. It's truthful and happening in the moment. And that to me is a three dimensional human being, three dimensional character in a,
1: show and it's what i think of as three-dimensional showmanship so maybe the good takeaway from that is to remember that i like to i like your way of talking about going from three dimensions to two dimensions but maybe to say in another way you have these three pillars and just to remember that they are connected and so when people say it's actually
2: one thing yeah that's, that's what why i, mean, I yeah. have the triangle because so, it's not yeah. like you take away one of them and it collapses to a line yeah you take away two of them and you have a point yeah and it isn't the same and the and the fourth dimension that makes the triangle into a pyramid is the audience it's the attention of the audience so yeah. that like if there is not nobody watching then it also isn't quite actually three dimensionals then it's three points and it becomes fully three-dimensional <laughs> when you do this yeah. in relation to an audience that's kind of and then that actually becomes a pyramid so it's actually three-dimensional so i didn't say we that can, before but
1: yeah i mean so we can focus on different aspects and we can say oh hey hey photo i saw your act and you know your character so we can, we can speak to it we can mm. speak but we have to remember when we speak to something there. We're focusing on part of the whole. Yes. And I think that was kind of more, maybe that's a good way to articulate what I was trying to express about Danny D'Ortiz. is what I found so fascinating was that it was his mannerisms of his personality that were... Uh, necessary to actually even make the whole thing work yeah it wasn't a separate little so the interesting detail. thing i think
2: there as well is to, to go to those people who uh, most nobody maybe will be able to see him do this talk where he does a three-hour talk about his 10-minute act so vanishing ink a cool magic shop whatever puts asks danny dartiz we want you to talk about this incredible act that you did on TV on Fool with Pantella. and then he goes I'm going to talk about it and you can just sort of show the act and you can stop and start and then he goes there's so much that's going on in my act that I will first talk about the technique of the stuff that I do in brief then I will talk about the theories of what I will do and then I will talk about uh I can't remember what the last kind of thing but he separated it out into different things well he talks about the performance itself and how they combine yeah Yeah. and then after he's talked for that for two hours and yeah two hours or or so then he gets to the point where he starts to play the the action. thing and yeah. now it's just so that when he goes oh and then he goes oh and this is where I use this technique and you can see how I'm setting up here before and and now they're all applauding but I'm getting her to look at the card uh, so that um yeah. so that later on it'll look like she has just thought of it and never actually looked at a card and you see all this sort of stuff so that's really interesting to see to go into so much depth
1: to realize that there's there's a there's a bunch of different layers that you're working on, and it was nice to see him have to separate them out because there was too much information for him to communicate. Yeah,
2: I can't stop and start because I'm going to play you ten seconds, yeah. and then I'm going to talk twenty five minutes to explain a point, and by that stage, you've lost the flow of the other thing. So it's like, but also to
1: realize that even though he did that because he has a lot to share out of his work, we all do. Yeah, and that normally when we talk about things, we we probably like when me and you talk about things with each other. Um, also because we normally have limited time, right? We don't, we don't live, uh, close to each other. We don't get to meet each other very often. So when we do get to talk, it's, it's limited time. And we do try to maybe cram all that information into the, into one sort of larger conversation. It was nice to see him separated out. Well, so it was kind of funny that you said we we had the first question yesterday and you couldn't quite remember what it was because there was such a, a, a rolling conversation or lots of different sort of tangents. And that's because, um, you know, I was trying to build a context by which yeah. to kind of get to the heart of it, which I think you really did. And so, of course, I have a second question, and it's going to be the same process. But I was also just—I just have—I have—I have to build the I'll context. So it's going well. to be a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I was also
2: just <laughs> touching because when you we we said, whenever you then say, "Oh, Frodo, or like Jay, I'd like to talk about your character," yeah, when we started the process of of a reflex or whatever Mm -hmm. like what's what's your character and i'm doing that because i always do that and then yeah now at least you have that full understanding that we're not talking about a character to slap on and you basically went oh my character is just i'm a juggler and i do juggling (laughs) yeah and and i didn't balk or get surprised or anything but that guided me going cool so that's what we do like if you were going like oh i'm i'm jay but i really wanted to be a fireman i go okay well that's going to be how do we make that happen right or whatever right but (laughs) but so we ask each other those kinds of questions and and whatever and now this idea that it's it's three-dimensional as you always have you have the three character and structure and all the stuff you do and then always how does this experience how what's the experience for the audience that's what makes it three-dimensional and that's what i was thinking we talked about this beforehand but I can't remember enough. This was the day before we started to record. This thing that no matter what it is that you... As soon as you say something about an act, it, that thing that I now say, okay, I saw you do it. Like, we're we going to talk about the character. Now, that thing that we talk about is less than the act. Because yeah. the act okay. always is all things at the same time. It's what you do. It's how you do it. It's the structure of how you do it. And it is how the audience reacted or how you included the audience. So all those things are always going on. So when I say we're going to talk about the character, it's like you are pinning a butterfly to the box. You learn many things, but it stops to fly and it does all that, but you can <laughs> see all the details, in it, but you stopped it in its flow. And if you could take the pin back out and it was alive again, then you could study those other things. And that's kind of what we could do when you talk about uh, a three-dimensional thing. And, and whenever you point out anything about anything, any idea of what you think a poem is, any, uh, any thing that you pull from an essay that you've read or a film that you've seen that is artful enough to feel like it comments on more than just what the story actually is, uh, then when you say that, it's going to be less than the right. whole. Because that whole thing will be all those things at the same time and any theory or any map of that thing will be less than the, the whole and that whole even when you if you somehow even theoretically manage to describe the whole you will not exhaust what that thing is because of the point of view of somebody else who brings all that they have in their in themselves to what it is that they see they see and whatever it is that we watched if it's a If it's a crystal or if it's the TV, (laughs) that thing has a side, a backside that you don't actually see. Yeah. And that is something else. And somebody else will see those things in the same way that when you fall in love with someone, you say that love makes you blind to their flaws. But also what it is that you do is that we all have flaws. I'm a terribly flawed person to try to be with. And I applaud and I'm surprised that my wife can put up with all the stuff that I (laughs) Whatever, But in falling in love, it's not just that you don't see those that you choose not to or you don't see the flaws. It's that you see all those things that are wonderful about that person. And particularly in the beginning, you don't see anything else because you see all of those things. So and other people see it and they go, yeah, but she or he is like that. And they go and he has these flaws or whatever. But in that moment of love, you just see those specific kind of things. So there's always more to it and you can find and pick it out or you see just seen the show or you've done something and you can completely pick it apart, but you might still have loved it.
1: No, that's super good. Uh, no, that, that's super... I'm glad, you, I'm glad you, you kind of brought out those details there because this the, this question kind of comes from that place and it comes from the context of the first question. So we Ooh. can kind of build on all that here. Oh, and good, so, good. so the thing is, the question I have, I just want to say that I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. But as it normally goes when I ask you a question... I love it that you have a system in your life. You have this showmanship system. I, I, it's a sort of a system of how to understand the it's work in the world, system, right? Yeah. So when I when I throw you a question, I don't say you easily answer it, but you definitely always find where it lands inside your system, and I really appreciate that. Like you can pretty quickly triangulate, oh, Jay asked me this, and I kind of triangulate the position mm. of where that question is, you know, what, what, what points that question's poking at. So I'm gonna ask you a question, and I think the answer on the surface is going to be pretty simple, pretty easy, pretty obvious. But hopefully the question will be a jumping off point to a discussion mm. of kind of a deeper discussion of the underlying, you know, mm. things involved. So because uh, I also have my own my own idea of, of the answer to the question. Of course, it's it's really simple. It's like this ever since I was a kid, when I first started juggling, when I was uh, eight years old, I started juggling and um, I guess, you know, I could, I could uncover this more. I, maybe I should uncover this yeah. more as I get older, but to discover, you know, whoever taught me juggling definitely taught me with a performance framework in mind, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize at the time. I yeah. thought I was just learning to throw and catch three balls, but definitely it's this, it's the, I've, I've told the story a lot, but it's like, throw one, throw two, throw three, and now smile. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So there's always that smile thing. And it was just ingrained in me, this idea of like, well, of course we're going to show this to someone else. But pretty quickly after I learned, the thing I heard the most from everybody, and they were all, all older than me, was, but Jay, you can't just juggle. And they were talking about doing a show. You can't just juggle. This is the phrase I heard for years when i was growing up but you can't just juggle i've been i've even heard that when i when i've been i mean last year or five years ago Mm. i've heard it a lot i know what they mean i mean i sorry i have my own interpretation of what that phrase means you can't just juggle in regards to doing a performance what they Mm. mean is yeah, But I mean, to paraphrase or to guests or whatever, what they're saying is you have to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. You can't just go on stage and do the skill. You have to package the skill. You have to make the skill accessible or or relatable. You have to sell it to the audience. You have mm-hmm. to connect with the audience. Right. And so but the thing that always sticks in my mind, thinking back from when I was a kid was, um, uh, yeah, you can't just juggle. And so I had. So the question for you is, had because the fun thing that you said on the first question was that your dad was a little bit pragmatic about what you would do on stage. He was into the construction and the mechanisms of the magic tricks. And so it wasn't some sort of overt conceptual (laughs) show that you were Mm. doing. It was more like your dad would tinker in his garage. And I say that with the utmost respect of tinkering in his garage is what he does. And and then he would go on stage and share those wonderful little moments with an audience. Mm. And that, and so that's kind of funny too. That it's in that way, it's a little bit, you know, uh, it's it's not conceptual. It's not grander than than just that. But
2: kind to of, me, then it becomes in, similar to the juggling that you're home. You're practicing your skill. That's what I'm saying. Then you take that out. Then you go so, look at this cool thing that I have slash do, or he has made a mechanism, and there'd be a little story. Would you pick a card, or something comes out, and just next. That's why, why I thought something. of it.
1: That's why I thought of it because yeah. you brought that up, and I was like, oh, that's exactly what I was talking about. So what is your relationship to, if you get my if you get my meaning here, what's your relationship to, you know, you can't just juggle? Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> th- when you said it, it's like
2: there's, there's part of the way to go that they go, oh, you need to also be entertaining. And to me, that has that sort of, when you say it like that, I think of it almost like, it's flavored with a certain negativity or yes. whatever it's, it's that also have to go hey, hey and you have to wear a spangly suit and you have to do something like uh-huh. tell one-liners or, or whatever yeah but then you also in that when you were doing it later on you said some like in the same description of it we're gonna go back and look at it but it's you said something like oh you need to sort of somehow present it to them or make it connect to them yeah. I, I, connect I didn't the use audience. the word connect no before. i did yeah oh, you yeah. have to
1: connect with their audience so yeah
2: so so that's that thing that I go... Because you can juggle, just juggle. And in reflex, you just juggle. There was no... Like you talked, but all of the talking and everything was to frame the juggling. And like we've talked about on previous podcasts, it was so that by the time that you do your most abstract stuff, people would really start to get what it was. And you can do it with... You could also do it abstractly where you're just starting with something simple and then it builds bigger and bigger. It's like you do seven balls first and then afterwards you do four balls for a little bit and then you do some some ball spinning. And then if it's just a jumble of things and then you do hula hoop for a little bit and then you stop and you do some isolation and then you go. Then the people don't know what is this? How is it actually going? But if you put it, you just have to take the audience's experience of, of what you do. And we all like things that are structured nicely, like a movie that needs to be well paced and it needs to... You can't just show a bunch of pictures. You can't just (laughs) show a bunch of pictures (laughs) and then, but you actually, you can. Like things like La Jetée, La Mm -hmm. Jetée or whatever it's called, the movie that inspired uh, Army of the uh, the Twelve Monkeys with Bruce Willis, the uh, Mm -hmm. Terry Gilliam movie. That movie is told in still pictures, mm-hmm. this French movie, and was, well, of course it's art house, so you can kind of tell it in, in pictures, and that's what we sort of do, you do a little act, and then you take that emotion from that act, and it goes into the next kind of bit, but you always have to th- keep what is it that this is expressing to the audience if there is an audience there because if there isn't an audience then you can do what you want and then you're practicing and you're just going with your own flow yeah and then it is for yourself and i was wondering when you when you were talking about oh yeah because i learned juggling from the point of view that somebody was going to watch this but as i to- toured around the uk and europe with a cascade magazine with the juggling a european juggling magazine and yeah. looked at the back to see where there was um, yeah uh, workshops or whatever yeah, meetings, like, uh, meetings and, and gathering gatherings clubs, and juggling yeah. jams and yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and I went from town to town going, oh, this is and Oh, there's a here and have an interrail ticket, so I'd take it to the next town because there's <laughs> something there on a Tuesday, and then you go somewhere else, and where's it on a Wednesday? and you go there and meet totally. someone. And when I was doing that, I would say that m- most of those people there were not jugglers for performing because the actual real sort of performers or even street performers or whatever d- didn't juggle for the sheer passion of it, of just hanging out. There was always some, and that it's, maybe this is a gross oversimplification. No, it's, it's not. It's,
1: it's a tangled... It's a real tangled mess of of the evolution of the hobbyist or amateur into what we can say the professional i mean it's just such we don't even have we don't even hardly have words or language to talk about
2: it but but it's a struggle it's also within in magic some of the greatest magicians or or innovators of magic are amateur magicians because he's a lawyer or he's a he's a a truck driver but then he comes out at the card table and blows everyone away with incredible techniques but maybe
1: maybe to be more specific or or just for this just for fun for this conversation we don't have to define it like I get your point, obviously, like that if you're a lawyer and you do magic on the side and just by saying on the side, then necessarily you're an amateur because your, your main gig is you're a lawyer. I mean more towards the attitude or the approach to what you're doing. Cause it, yeah. Because so that's, that's, cause that's, it goes yeah. back, yeah, that, which yeah, is yeah. what you mean. And yeah, yeah. W- Because it goes back to that idea. I have an episode about
2: this as well. Yeah. Because I'm uh, totally. for exactly that thing. It's like, exactly. you can be a showman and only do it once a week, but you live it and breathe it or whatever. Or also just or, just,
1: or just the way you personally relate to what you do. And just from a very simplistic example of, hey, I'm going to learn this juggling trick. Uh, For myself, just Mm. to have the physical or the mental experience of doing it. Or I can learn this trick and I can also envision someone might see it. Yeah, and that can also be just a very simplistic definition of amateur versus professional, in terms of like we could we could define if we wanted to kind of define I don't know professional is the wrong word because it, it it always implies money but it's more that there's gonna be an audience there will be a viewer and because yeah. you can do these things without people watching you and yeah, that's kind of more to the and core. people do that with guitar and stuff too that's well, more to well, the core of what I who mean. Just love to play the guitar. Totally. They do it for hours,
2: maybe they do it an hour every day, not mm. seven hours like a yeah. concert guitarist, but the toilet, totally. so that you're passionate about guitar and you watch all the documentaries and listen to all the albums and...
1: So maybe it's not as much about money as it's about intention, right? Passion it's, and intention. Yeah. yeah. And so... um I under, so I, I just say that that that's such a tangled mess of of intention when it, when does it flip over into I want to show this to someone else but at the same time because me and you are both passionate people about the skills that we practice I mean that's part of our that's part of our life is that mm. we practice these skills separate from the performing separate from the money separate from the intention <laughs> mm. it's still it's it's not separate from the passion that's what drives it but it flips back and forth all the time is what i mean and it, it's very muddy it's very muddled it's it's unclear for me many times why i'm investigating something or why i'm learning something it's not immediately obvious mm. beyond the 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 momentary utility of like the joy i get from practicing or the joy yeah, i yeah. get from figuring you know finding out some new thing so um that's why it's a it's a hard conversation to talk about the, this idea of uh, performing or not performing because really? we're we're constantly doing that all the time. We're yeah, constantly yeah. doing things to perform and to not perform yeah. like we're doing things for ourselves. I mean, and for others. So this idea of you can't just juggle. I just want to say, and what I want to kind of get to later on eventually, because I think there's a few things I still want to, I want to poke oh, yeah, at before, yeah. before we get there. I feel but, like I haven't actually answered. I are just, well, the larger, like abs- no, 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 absolutely. But, but the, but the app, abs- but, but the bigger thing is this question haunts me. Because I still struggle with it constantly, this idea that you can't just juggle, and without getting stuck on all those different <laughs> different definitions of words we can get stuck on, it means of because you can just juggle we've we've said that already now, you could just juggle, but more to the point, there's maybe an aspect of it that's like you can't just juggle as if maybe it goes back to the bad self esteem circus artist thing of like juggling is not enough mm. <laughs> and like literally and then i and then i go no but juggling does have value in it on its yeah. own you just have to get the people to see it or you and that and that it, but then that comes back to you can't just juggle you can just juggle but you have to have the people see the just juggling does that make sense yeah yeah <laughs> but some of this also it comes down to like
2: using the analogy of music is not just enough to go out there and play the accordion You can't just be noodling about and just play notes and do a little bit
1: of this and play half a song and go into something else. You need to have a... But you could could possibly do that in the right context, and maybe that's what this discussion is also about, is context. Yeah, if people
2: were there, just to be exploring new sounds or explore uh, improvised music or music created in the moment on an instrument you don't even know or whatever. Like, you could get some interest, but then, then... It all implies that they then are interested because if you go to a juggling festival and you just go out there and you just, without comment, with music on or not, just do show a bunch of random stuff that you do and you just jam and most people would probably be excited and they would already start to get excited and they see what you try and if you didn't do it and you do it again and you go, like, that would become incredible because they already have an interest and an understanding it's and appreciation specific, for the language specific context whilst if you're doing music not only do you like it's not a good idea even though there could be a very specialized context where you just push the buttons yeah and then you go out and you could go and i could play a song that i have made yep and you go okay this is something right but if i want to really make them go then i play ABBA or I play Britney Spears <laughs> right. so I'm piggybacking on something else and then everyone starts to clap along and everyone goes I love this song oh that's a funny version of it or whatever like which is what kind of weird Al Yankovic or something uh-huh. it's like piggybacking right. on all these other kind of things and, yep. and and what a lot of performers do and they do like oh we're doing some some juggling and I just put on ACDC and I go like that yeah They're rock and roll and then I always had the uh
1: but well, no but this and this, this is so there's, a, no, there's layers
2: of how to get people to to pull it into what you do and i don't know exactly how that sort of translates with juggling with like you do you do eat the apple or that you juggle a chainsaw like well, something that's very like it's almost it's not but within juggling that might be something like putting on the track that you've
1: no it's funny stick with the ACDC thing because there is a quintessential example i have in my life which was, I remember growing up, I had a really formative moment when um, there was a juggler who was going to do some performance and everybody was super hyped and really excited. Oh, man, he's going to go do the thing now. Oh, yeah. what, what And I didn't know him. What, what did he do? Oh, this is a, this amazing Indiana Jones juggling act. Indiana Jones juggling act. And in my mind, I'm not, I'm not joking. I mean, I was like 14 or something and I was trying to envision like Indiana Jones juggling. So he's going to juggle the whip and he's going to have the bag of sand and he's going to have the and, um, look at the Ark of the Covenants and he's yeah. going to juggle. No, you know what he did? He comes out. He wears a fedora. <laughs> he has some khakis on. He plays the Indiana Jones theme music and then he juggles the juggling clubs. And then that's the that's the limit of the oh, yeah. that's the limit of, of the theme and that really I did it. I did I tell you I for real did an Indiana Jones
2: uh, straight jacket escape no no I didn't mm. know that it was based on the same thing no fedora though okay. no leather jacket no khakis yeah. right no it was just the theme me song? in the tuxedo pants that I had and my dad put the straight jacket <laughs> on and we played in the belly of the steel beast from Indiana Jones and the last crusade <laughs> okay that was my Indiana Jones act there by that go.
1: standard and he was even more advanced than me but the thing is yeah absolutely <laughs> But the, the funny thing is, I mean, I, I, get, I get what you're saying. But the funny thing is, that does completely address the comment, you can't just juggle. Because this person, they didn't just juggle. He wore the fedora. He had mm. the, the bullwhip on his belt. Yeah. He had the theme song. Done. Cross and off it's, the list. And it, and
2: it is also that one that like <laughs> you go, well, I got to give it to him because that is one step further. <laughs> it is not just you in your whatever pants you happen to wear. And then you do a couple of juggling tricks it's like you come out and you're going there is one more thing going on here and whoever described that to you had Mm -hmm. described it with you and had thought that that was cool because everyone at that time in the 80s or whatever this was they loved Indiana Jones and just to dress up and play that music to is a great thing so you reference that you're going like I like this music I think uh, Harrison Ford is cool and this is I don't know whatever it is that you take with that and you're a teenager yeah, and you haven't advanced so far. Like we spoke about how every year in circus school or every when you meet the young artists, they have a certain idea of what it is, and they are like right at the limit of that thing. But me, as an old hat, have been in it for <laughs> so long. You kind of see. I was also like that when I was. Nine seventeen, yeah, or whatever. I thought that this was to kill a thing, and like I sort of said, it's like, going, "Oh man, my act is all right, but if I just can do twenty throws of four balls, Mills mess, then people are just going to peek out, and it's just going to be the best act
1: in the world." I'm going, and anyway, maybe another way to to no, you reminded me of a thing now. Maybe another way to kind of attack this this question, this yes. question, or this this discussion is, um, you know, David Blaine said something that really sticks with me to this day. Um, it really made an impact when I heard this and it wasn't, I mean, it was a couple of years ago I heard this, but um, because when I first saw the David Blaine street magic special, when it came out on TV, mm. you know, I was thinking, I was like, Man, what's wrong with this guy? Cuz Frodo, I took my I took my lesson well. I didn't just juggle. <laughs> you mm. can't just juggle. So, I did a bunch of other stuff, man, in mm. my life. I did more than just just juggling. I didn't do Indiana Jones, but I did other things for sure. Mm, that was already done. Yeah, <laughs> so other other movies I did. Both in Norway and by <laughs> Yeah, yeah, fans. exactly. It's been played out. <laughs> so, so when I saw the street magic special, and of course we talked about before where, you know, the genius of the special, of course, is just that they put the reactions of the audience, uh, members in focus instead of the tricks. That was the genius of the street magic special. But I'm talking specifically about David Blaine's character, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> which is the, the. I'm focusing on that one yeah. aspect of the whole. Yeah. And so basically I was like, what's wrong with this guy? Mm. What's wrong? Like literally what's wrong with him? He, he, if you go back and watch some of those early videos of him, he can't even form a complete sentence. Mm-hmm. He seems to be so antagonized. He seems to be so dramatically just complete, like, look. But he doesn't say the K on look. He's just like, look, <laughs> just yeah. look, watch, look, watch. Like, this guy can't even talk. He can't even form the full word, let alone, you know, set up a story or, or, or present the trick. He's just, he barely mumbles. Mm. He barely mumbles. And then he'll make the coin vanish, right? Mm. And then the people freak out. And he sits and then... I I read this heard this interview with him and he said a couple of years ago and it really sticks in my mind. He said, "Well, here's the thing. That was of course that was on purpose. I did that on purpose like that because most people they want to connect the the effect of the magic trick to some sort of emotional connection so that when the coin vanishes, you care. Cuz if you just walk up to somebody and say, "Hey, here's a coin. Now it's gone." They mm. just go, "Okay. Oh, what what?" <laughs> Like, mm. who cares? Like, yeah. oh, the coin's gone. I didn't care about the coin in the first place because the coin mm. came out of nowhere. Yeah. But so that's the cliche. Mm. Oh, hey, Frodo, this coin, my grandfather gave this to me when I was five years old. He pulled it out of my ear. And that's why I'm here on this Vegas stage today, because when I was five, 30 years ago, my grandfather got me into magic and now I'm here in Las Vegas, right? That's the, that's the cliche narrative. Yeah. So then when that coin that your grandfather gave you 30 years ago, when it vanishes, then hopefully, I mean, the again, mm. this cliche example, then the audience goes, Oh wow. Where did it go? Cause I care about that coin. Like, and it's a stronger effect, right? Yeah. Or you borrowed the money from the audience member. And exactly. Or a ring, attention. a wedding ring. Yeah, is, yeah. Is, is, so there's an emotional connection to the object yeah. is the point. But what David Blaine said, which was really cool. He's like, Hey, look, here's the deal. If I'm actually quote unquote magic, if I can actually do magic and I can really make this coin disappear, I don't need to tell you it's from my grandfather. Uh, I just take the coin and I make it disappear for real. I do it for real. And so I don't talk about it. I don't do. And that reminds me of this. You can't just juggle. Mm. Right. Because it's like saying to David, you can't just do magic. You can't just make it disappear. But what I loved was he drills down to the heart of the premise, which is I'm going to make this coin disappear. And I think a lot of times. And again, I'm a juggler talking about magic. Mm. So I'm completely out of turn. But But if you if you if you really if you're really going to believe and say or I mean, that's the premise. You say, I'm going to take this coin and make it disappear. And to make you care about it, I'm going to tell you it's from my grandfather and weave this whole story of when I was five, and he pulled it out of my ear and I started to cry and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm in Las Vegas. Um, it kind of undermines the, not undermines, but it doesn't really enhance the fact if that coin actually vanished, nobody cares about your grandfather. Mm. People are just going to go, Frodo actually made a coin vanish. Yeah, yeah, And that's what that's what David was trying to drill down to. And that purity of the premise of what you're doing I thought that was just... Uh, I mean, that really struck me that he committed so fully yeah. to the premise instead of yeah. you know, kind of giving up or... I mean, I I can hear where he's coming from. And I
2: don't think that you need to tell about your grandfather or whatever, but that is one technique. And also, it's. I also frequently think or say that whatever it is that I say that this is how it should be done, whenever I do that then there will always be somebody who makes exception. a career out of exactly doing the opposite. Totally, yeah. And usually, or frequently anyway, that person who is doing that other thing, that is a person who has usually thought it through and been in the game for a while. Right. So you have, re- you have thought that through. Maybe he post hoc made that thing up because the, the thing went off and that was the limit of how he could speak and present it hmm. maybe it was that style as when you when you see him in general it wasn't when he's talking and when he's uh like he's he can be an eloquent guy or whatever but he is a pretty chilled and laid-back kind of guy so maybe right. 25 years ago that was one step further and he hadn't, this was early in his whatever, that some of it is true and some of it is also kind of like this was his style and whatever it was as well, like that it just caught on like a wildfire, but all sorts of specials when Paul Zenon made a street magic special in Britain earlier before, and it didn't explode in that same kind of way, even though there are some similarities between those two things. And, Whatever it was that he did It just killed So that's that's one thing But the other thing is I, I agree Like the fact that he had that in mind And had that intention And to the specific people That he showed it to All of those things came together In just the perfect way That kind of presentation On the street To the kind of people That he was sort of hanging out with At the time Or where right. he, when he walked up it was the right presentation by the right guy at the right setting and the right time. And he did it with 100% conviction. Didn't even, like, oh man, look, at this. look. Right. Okay, yeah. Gone.
1: Gone done that's
2: it yeah i don't need to say more no and he, he and he doesn't say that but that's my silent script that's his, so on that's the radio his radio monologue goes. Yeah. he's just yeah the, in, the, in the in the in the he's not doing ta-da no there's no sprinkling of dust there's no it's oh just that was happened. the other thing he
1: said that was the other thing he said about the technique of this yeah the other the other thing he said about the technique of never talking or not talking much there at least is when you do the effect you just shut up mm you just let there be silence and you let the spectator fill in the silence that's, and that's, they will
2: right it's so true yeah uh, that's
1: really interesting so you don't say ta-da because no. you don't need to you just stand there and you look at them and you look at them equally as confounded yeah. and you if go I don't know
2: hardcore like no, pull no punches magic yeah and then afterwards you leave it then there is this uh, like they don't know what to do they don't
1: necessarily don't tell them what to do that's they're just there and they're
2: going like what happened and then they start to actually and since you're not doing it and and eugene Berger wrote in an essay somewhere and he goes that uh the average magician is afraid of magic
0: yeah that's yeah 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 yeah. i've heard this yeah
2: People do the magic trick, and they, f- and then almost immediately they stomp on it with a joke. They or move a comment, on, yeah. or they move on, yeah, yeah, or yeah. they go. They don't let it hang there. No, and yeah. Judenberger is making the point that yeah. it's in that moment that the magic solidifies in their mind. It's when they and you,
1: you gotta be brave sit there and be yeah. brave and yeah.
2: go. And it's like it's going. It's easier to do comedy magic because if you stuff the trick up and they know what you did, then you can always just like do ha hey, walka what on. Yeah, yeah. it's okay whoa let me play the saxophone for a little bit yeah like not because i don't just do magic i don't know but just uh, yeah do i magic. don't just do magic
1: no but i mean danny d he the way he deals with that is is um you know he doesn't announce ahead of time what he's going to do so it's just an improvisation you don't know where it's going so mm. if it goes wrong over here well you can just keep going until it goes right or whatever uh, you know well so one thing that i now i, I can you said a good thing there. Um, so connecting this idea from David Blaine, why it connects to this thing of you can't just juggle. What I, what really appeals to me about David Blaine's technique of um, I'm going to do quote unquote again real magic. I'm really going to make the magic the, speak for itself. The premise a, is the premise is this coin is going to disappear. He doesn't um, he doesn't skip so many of us performers, I think I I'm going to talk about myself, but so many of us we skip ahead so, so this thing, Hey, Jay, you know, I'm 10 years old. Hey, you can't just juggle. And then in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, if I just juggle, the audience is going to be bored. So I'm not just going to juggle. I don't even give juggling a chance. That's what I mean. Mm. You know, and then and when David Blaine's like, I'm not going to tell a story about my grandfather, what he means is he's daring to stand up and say, Hey, I'm going to give magic a chance to, to have an effect. I'm going to, I'm going to have, I'm going to give the audience the benefit of the doubt that they might actually wanna see what I'm gonna do. Mm. And I think that's been a monkey on my back for a lot of my teenage years of this thing. I'm like, you can't just juggle. It was really imprinted in me to the point where I'm like, man, if I I just juggle or if I don't do something else to kind of not apologize for the juggling, but definitely to accompany the juggling, then nobody's gonna like it. And what I found out though, of course, in other moments of my life and maybe some of the more successful moments in my life, is that the times when I did let the juggling, like you're saying, speak for itself, it kind of went better for me. Mm. So that's always a struggle that I kind of, I've had to overcome, or I still wrestle with like mentally sometimes where I'm like, it's not that I have bad self-esteem about my work or or juggling in general. I think, and just maybe we can on the record say this, mm. that there is, um, <laughs> it, w- it was Luke Wilson who always said, uh that jugglers are the ones who are perpetuating our own worst stereotypes. Mm. So there's... And there's one of them which goes, you know, people hate juggling. That's Mm -hmm. like always a... That's a stereotype. And it's like, well, people don't hate juggling. Um, People also don't like juggling. They don't hate it or like it. It's not a thing to people. They're indifferent to it. And then
2: you present it to them and they... And I was going to say, people also have like badges that says I hate card tricks or whatever at magic conventions or whatever. And they go... So uh, you do, but... Everybody loves magic and juggling. If that magic and juggling, as Eric Aubrey say, if it's in the genre of good. If it's good. If it's in the genre of good, then (laughs) we we love it.
1: We like good things.
2: I don't know if I like card magic as a general thing that I'm like going, oh, we've got to go and see someone's doing the card magic. Let me lean over and have a look. Because a lot of the time it is just like, here's a deck of cards. Take one. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Was it this one? Yeah, man, I'm sweet. But then you see somebody who does it, like Juan Tamariz, or yeah. one of his pupils or yeah. whatever, yeah. star students of, of Danny Dautis. Yeah. and card magic is, the the deck of cards becomes like the skateboard, where it's simple, but it's all. Endlessly complex in the hands of this guy, and although we're only picking cards I and mean, we're de- tearing and doing stuff with cards, it seems
1: like a complete show. Or- well, so I think I, yeah, 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 I get you. But yeah, it, not, so I think I can articulate something here, and hopefully, with everything we've said before, this makes some sense. Mm-hmm. So basically, hey, you can't just juggle, and then the answer is yes, you can just juggle if it's good. Yeah, like conceptually, that's that's yeah. that's what I'm dealing with. You can just juggle if it's good, and then the fun question is, how can that be good? Yeah, well, and you can replace juggling with any word. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah.
2: Right? And I always do. In showmanship yeah. is like we can talk about it. It's yeah. whatever it is that you're yeah. presenting. But um, I completely lost my thread here. I was going to say, oh yeah, going back to the music thing. Sure. If you are just starting out or whatever, doing the troubadour style of if you're playing guitar or whatever and you if you're singing let it be and you're singing uh let me entertain you and you're doing this then you have that's that then you know you have a hook on it and you people are going to sing sing with you but you have to have a different kind of charisma and a different kind of skill in songwriting for you to get up onto that stage and to captivate people with music that they've never heard before and on the first presentation of it it's but, but you can still stick to a normal song structure so that they recognize that at least, mm. and then you go and then you go well that's it, with more charisma with more skills in creating songs, creating acts, creating pieces of magic, then then uh, then you need something more. To make that in the genre of good it's easier to do something okay i'm gonna juggle and i'm gonna throw the ball on i'm gonna eat the apple at yeah. the same time yeah it's like it's like a cover song in juggling and it will get them in and mm-hmm. even when you do it badly or whatever mm-hmm. and then you can create something new like a new prop that you introduce into it and then you need to be m- more skilled to be able to manipulate this thing and you need to be able to Connected them through that way, and then maybe then, if you are even more, you have more thoughts and more ideas, you can be going out there and just noodling away on your guitar (laughs) in front of them, and that they really get into it. And you're doing, you're playing with silences, and you're playing with this, and you're changing rhythms, or you're going. But to captivate the general public with that, something very special needs to happen, and a very special atmosphere needs to be like if you do that in an art setting art studio uh, and then that might work but if you do and do it in a pub it might be difficult because the setting is wrong as well so th- there's that sort of maybe there's a la- layer of there and you're going in that setting you can do it easily and you can maybe you can do that and i'm always this is part of what i'm one of my key things is how much culture how much art how much depth can i put into an act and still captivate the pub audience or so like, yeah. can you do the troubadour and somehow be completely original within that, uh, like mm-hmm. as a as as a goal, or like do you use the first couple of songs, just like they do when you, if you're playing contemporary classical music? To sell the tickets to that thing, they might do Beethoven's Fifth first and end up with the Nutcracker and then in the middle do some contemporary music, which is more difficult to get a big audience for or whatever.
1: Well, I think think you uncovered a really, really great thing there, which is maybe the other thing that always maybe um, made me... I was really antagonized. Clearly, I'm still not not over it. (laughs) Whenever I say it now to you, I still say it. My whole book is about,
2: do you have another job? That's part of the key. Okay, okay, sure, sure.
1: So I still, even when I say it now, I'm like, you can't just juggle. I still put that inflection on it. But basically, that's a great thing you uncovered there. It's not just what is said in that phrase of you can't just juggle. It's also what's unsaid in that phrase. And what's unsaid is, it's like you can't just juggle And that's talking about whoever you're saying it to. That's talking about the person doing the juggling, for example. But there's so much unspoken baggage around that phrase with who, exactly what you said. Where is it going to be? Who's going to be watching you? What are you doing it for? What's your motivation? When are you going to do it? What do you want from it? What do you want from it? Right? So it's it's kind of weird. It's kind of a thing of like, oh, hey, you can't just juggle. Uh, You have to do something more. And it's like... But that's that thing too, because it's implied that you
2: can't just juggle. Okay, and we're going, yeah. fair enough. What is it that we need to do? Well, And then that person will go, w- will say what their interpretation is. And <laughs> I'm reminded again of Neil Gaiman, who says, whenever somebody crit- critiques your unfinished work, they will go, Oh, there's something about this section here that I don't understand or this is not so good, it doesn't flow or whatever. And then when they find something that they are putting their finger on, they're usually right. There's something there to be discovered. And when they then share with you their advice as to what you're going to do mm. to fix it or to yeah. whatever, then they're always wrong or usually <laughs> always wrong. Right. So he, he says that as, an ad, as advice. And when they go, you can't just juggle, but when that person then adds their thing on, you also got to have some like uh, mm. pop music going mm. in the background that people can mm. connect to because they bored by the juggling and then you can mime the song words or, i don't know so then, then you go, yeah, i yeah. don't know about that and then you go well, what is it oh no you got to tell jokes at right. the same time or you got to be also be dancing while you do it because your body is kind of a bit still and 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 you're, you're losing that potential so everybody will have their own thing to what else you could be doing or whatever so that's also implied in that you can't do it enough uh, juggling is not enough but then, from everybody's point of view and everybody's viewpoint or whatever, that extra thing. Like, well, what is it? So, I then go. The challenge is, of course, then to go. Well, I can't just juggle like just juggle with no structure, with no. That's why I started going on about this with playing an accordion and not play a song. I get Cause you. That's like. And cause, that's a good. That's it's a good just example. playing the accordion. Yeah. But you got. But well, you got to play a song. But it's got to be that noodling has got to build into something that goes then maybe you do it and like something
1: relatable yeah. yeah yeah.
2: I mean if you're just playing the same three notes over and over again then it's going oh this is totally boring but if that builds like um Philip Glass like or whatever right, right, or, right. Or, or, or Reich when, yeah, yeah, when yeah. Do, like and you just go and this in the beginning you don't quite get it but all of a sudden you're pulled into this thing with the minim, minimal changes and it goes oh okay and this is an incredible thing it's the biggest thing since
1: well def- definitely oh. for me one of my because I heard like I that I heard this phrase when I was 8 years old 9 years old 10 years old whatever Um, oh can I just say one really fast another little diversion but I want to get back to what I was going to say there is that I did this one show um, in Aush this big circus festival in France I did a solo show there it was a one hour long uh, solo show of juggling and I had this um, this performer I'll tell you later who it was but uh, we'll just say this one performer came up to me after the show outside the theater and he said but but you you, j- you it was 1 hour of juggling you were doing you juggled for an hour and you just couldn't comprehend cuz i didn't tell jokes i didn't dance i didn't sing i didn't uh you for an hour you juggled and he just kept repeating that to me and, and it, uh, he inflection positive or negative or, or no just negative mind blow no negative, oh, like negative. completely oh. like 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 you can't like you can't do that. Like what? Like you just—that's just- funny because yesterday you were like going when you went to the uh, juggling
2: convention. As soon as that person started telling a joke or <laughs> pulled out uh, <laughs> one of those felt rings and did some chaugraphy, totally, totally, totally. you'd be going like
1: boring yeah, yeah. next oh, like, to get the book yeah. out here. we like show us some tricks it's like but it was just even funny that like i had gotten to the place in my career i mean you don't just go to osh i mean you, you don't just just rock up there and do a show if you want to you you gotta you gotta build <laughs> yeah. a career to get there right yeah yeah so i go on this journey through my life of not just juggling frodo yeah and i get to the point where i can present my work <laughs> I'm gonna just juggle because these guys don't understand it, and then some crazy juggler says. No, but that's stairs, That's man. kind of my point, though, is that I don't <laughs> think I was just juggling, right? Like I had uh, played the game. Yeah, I yeah. I played the game with, with all the tropes, man. With the music and the costume and the and the, and the composition and the politics and the marketing and the title. I mean, all these things are not just juggling, mm-hmm. right? And I managed to get to that place to have people see, to even have this person see my show is such a struggle, a mountain to climb mm. from my eight-year-old self who can't just juggle. Yeah. And then I go to this show, one hour of juggling. I mean, I, admittedly, I didn't do any other circus techniques in the show than juggle. But if you ask me, I mean, I, you've seen my work, mm-hmm. man. You know you know, when we say, oh, you're going to juggle for an hour. You know now that you met me, that's going to be okay. Mm. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it was just hilarious that this guy came and was like, "But you just." He didn't say just. He goes, "You juggled for an hour," and like he mm. just couldn't understand how that
2: how that could be possible. And could when he when he calmed down, could he say what he thought that you should have done, or what did he intimate what it was that the show was lacking?
1: We can just say uh, maybe in an easy way that you had mentioned. If I can say that, or, uh, you mentioned recently you saw uh, Cirque du de Soleil. Mm-hmm. uh on TV and you couldn't maybe fully relate to maybe the mm. the aesthetic or mm. the style or the tropes of that's going on mm. in that kind of uh, genre right now, yep. I think it was the same for him. Like, yeah, he came yeah. to see my show and was just like, this is not what's happening in my world. In and, his if, and, and and I think he put himself in my position and he was thinking, because um, he was a juggler, and he said, and I think he didn't say this, but if I kind of, you know, think back on it, he was kind of saying, if I did what you did, I would be shot. <laughs> kind of thing. Like, he just I, couldn't I, believe that I could, quote, unquote, get away with that. He was like a commercial performer or whatever. No, well, anyway, okay, but nobody was just That's kind of funny. It was just kind of funny. This this thing of like, even when I tried even for there, my, yeah. I, I built my career of not just in one way, not just juggling. Um, I always believed in juggling, and juggling was the main thing. But even then, when I got to that kind of quote unquote peak, at that moment, it was still, I was still just juggling. Yeah, yeah. No, but anyway, what I was going to say is when I heard this phrase first, I was eight, nine years old, and my first response was to well not Indiana Jones but honestly it was to put on a I think I had a red uh, boulder hat uh, I had um, red sequined suspenders uh, and a red sequined bow tie and what music I think I used the music cats or something I use a recognizable music I think it was from the musical cats or something and uh it was and and uh that was kind of my my first step that was my first step of like oh okay I can't just juggle so like I have to, you know, I have to acknowledge that people are going to look at me. Therefore, I'll wear something special and I'm going to play this song that other people have heard before, which you've already mentioned mm-hmm. now a few times. And so that was kind of step one of like, how do you advance from from uh, you can't just juggle. And what I wanted to share a little story about John Gilkey. Cause this was quite recent, uh, a couple years ago. So, you know, there was the Cirque du Soleil show, La Nuba down in Florida and it closed after 10 years, Anthony Gatto uh, was in that show for a little bit of time. And, uh, they gonna, or they opened, uh, at at the time of the story, they were going to open a new show called drawn to life. And now, now that show is open, um, playing down there in Florida. And, um, it's a collaboration between Cirque du Soleil and Disney animation studios. And I'm pretty obsessed with Cirque du Soleil, you could say. And so I was pretty excited. I love La Nuba, one of the best sh- shows I, I've seen. Uh, Franco Dragon, classic, you know, golden age of Cirque. <laughs> and like I say, Anthony Gatto was in the show. And so I was pretty excited to hear that, okay, La Nuba's closing. That's sad, but they're going to make a new show. What's the new show? So I was reading, I was getting all the information, I'm reading the website, the press releases, and seeing the you know, the little press event preview of the acts on YouTube and I I was pretty obsessed. And so I noticed that there was a bunch of text, a bunch of writing about what the show was going to be about. And it was, it, again, it was a collaboration with Disney animation studios. So Cirque du Soleil was going to interpret a lot of this animation material or theme. It was a a theme of like hand-drawn animation, golden age of, of Disney animation. And the main character was going to be a pencil. and the pencil and then they show a picture of the costume and it's like a guy wearing a hat that's like a pink like eraser and then he has like a pinstripe suit like you know the ridges on like a pencil and then you know his whatever his you can imagine the socks and the shoes making this illusion that there's a pencil standing on its end you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i was just looking at this and i'm like what there is no difference between this and Indiana Jones <laughs> juggling routine and my red bowler hat with the cat's music. And I was so confused. And, and, and as a language in my world, where I come from, we call this kind of style youth circus. Mm. I don't know if that's uh, relatable to you, well, but yeah. like the local youth circus going to do it into in the, is the spring presentation for the parents. And it is just that deep Mm. Uh, or shallow or deep i mean it, no problem your kid is there they're gonna they're gonna play the lion king mm-hmm. and so you tack a little yellow tail on them when they do their cartwheel it's and it's the end of the year show and it was the lion king routine with yeah. acrobatics cool but we're talking Cirque du soleil and Walt disney man we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars custom-made theater the best directors in the world the best script writers in the world and the the, the vault the disney animation vault think about that like that's how much depth of, of riches are there, mm. and in the end it's like oh the main character is a pencil, and the and the depth of that is that they have a, a eraser for a hat, and that really bugged me. I was really like <laughs> I was like how how is it that like the height of art, I mean the height of I mean whether you you liked La Nuba or not, I'm gonna say I mean Franco. Franco gave himself to the in that show like like Franco explored and risked and dared in La Nuba whether you liked it or not it's I don't care if you hated it or whatever whoever liked it or hated it doesn't matter Franco tried something with La Nuba I think it worked I appreciated that he was trying to do something there so when I heard about this kind of drawn to life show main character is a pencil I mean it it was a it was a young girl and her sidekick was a pencil whatever and I was just like I don't get it it's it's the same as me putting on the red bowler hat it's the same as the Indiana Jones fedora and then you just juggle the clubs like you always juggle the clubs and so I wrote John Gilkey (laughs) (laughs) out of out of nowhere I mean, I'm old friends with John, but I had a and talk... he's connected for, to Cirque, in a way. Yeah, I mean, he was yeah. a circ, Cirque du Soleil clown for, yeah. for many, yeah. and, and the main character of Kidam mm-hmm. and, and many other... He was in, uh, originated one of the main characters in Verkai and a bunch of other shows, too. So, yeah, it wasn't so random to write him about Soleil, but I hadn't talked to him in years, and this is pretty non-sequitur. So I just write John, and I'm like, dude, this is really annoying me. Like, I don't understand... How can Cirque du Soleil and Disney put like a main character as just this guy with a pink hat on and be like, it's a pencil. And now we're done. That's our creation. And John wrote me back a really cool thing. He said, you know, the premise of the theme being animation and that the main character would be a pencil. That's not to be dismissed. That's not worthless Cause I was I was totally saying, well, this is the stupid, most shallow. Mm. Oh, Frodo, let's do a show about animation. Mm, let's brainstorm. What's mm. what are the different parts of animation? Well, we got paper and what else? Oh, pencil. Mm. Oh, you could be a pencil. Like it's a pretty shallow process. Like I was implying this process yeah. was pretty shallow. And John was like, well, it's not a worthless idea at all to mm. say that like you're doing a show with animation and the main character is a pencil. He's like, why not? Pencil is like the main writing tool of animation. It's something he goes. It's something that everybody in the audience can relate to. Like it's an obvious thing. And his point was like, you shouldn't run away from the obvious things, even Mm -hmm. if it wasn't such a deep process. He's like, you can piggyback and you can jump on people's experiences and knowledge and go, oh yeah, in animation, you use a pencil. He said, the problem comes that basically if Cirque du Soleil lets that person actually be a pencil or not. And I thought that was so cool. And what he meant was, Probably, the, probably the, I haven't seen the show. I don't even know if the pencil is still in the show. But if we look at previous examples of Cirque du Soleil's work and style and how they incorporate characters and the, the narrative in the show, mm. it's, pretty, it's pretty shallow. It's a mm. little bit of a veneer, we could say. Spectacle. For the most part, we could think that the, the pencil isn't going to be really deeply mm. integrated. And, and John said, for the most part, they probably won't let the guy actually be a pencil. I was like, what are you talking about, man? What do you mean? He's not a real pencil. He's like, no, but what if he took it seriously? What if you gave somebody the job and said, you're a pencil, but for real. And you took that as deeply as you could. And that would be an amazing show. And I was like, yeah, it would. Like, mm-hmm. what if you went to see a show by Cirque du Soleil and Walt Disney and there was a guy who was actually a pencil? That was John. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. That was that was like John's point. That was like, it's not, a. it doesn't have to be shallow. It doesn't have to just be a surface. It doesn't just have to be the fedora and you just do the normal juggling as you normally do it that this guy did. John's point is, of course, you got to wear the fedora and do the Indiana Jones juggling. Mm. Yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 then, and then, of course, it's going to push the question to, well, what's the Indiana Jones juggling? And you go, mm. exactly. Yeah. That's, the, that's, the, that's the secret. But this, this idea that, like, can you imagine there's a guy in Florida right now on stage who's actually trying to be a pencil? That would be pretty messed up. Like, that'd be yeah. pretty, I
2: mean, pretty far out. When I totally agree with Gilkey because you were very upset about the pencil and I'm like, oh, well, with Disney or even with Pixar, it's like, okay, so the main character is a lamp or whatever. Right. And the, the great skill of Pixar or Disney in when it works is that the little candelabra in uh, Beauty and Beast becomes the thing that you genuinely care about. And that is part of what Disney kind of does. Taking these, so to, when I first kind of went, oh, it's Disney and Cirque du Soleil doing a collaboration, and I so I thought too. That I don't know what you could do with a pencil, but just like I don't know who I talked to this, about. Was it was a duo. Just this. Sometimes when you are standing on stage and then something happens, and then the first thing that comes into my mind, I think, oh, that's generic. So then you don't say it. And every now and then then when I've gone to Norway or whatever, and I am in a a place where I somehow just feel free when I'm doing an event for someone here and I'm translating in my head some generic street line or some line that just comes into my head, and then it kills. Mm -hmm. Even though I feel like I just got a bit dirty. But what (laughs) I did was to apply something that I know into a real life situation mm. and, and, um, no, you were, you were uh, talking about
1: that with me. Yeah you, yeah. you said that the other day.
2: So anyway, there's something about then that like taking the starting point of what actually is, it happens with that bit, like going to pencil could be an incredible thing. I don't quite understand, uh, he could or you could maybe unpack more what it means to really be a pencil. But it's partly enough just to go like, what would it really be like? Would he be walking on... One exactly. point two, or like what? There you go. go. So it's just now, there, now we're having a
1: real conversation about yeah. it. So like on now it's not just. mean? Yeah. It's
2: not just an excuse. Will there be a line traipsing after him? Exactly. In, in, uh, in motion projection the, after him, so that how about so this? By the end,
1: everywhere he walked has created a picture. Exactly. The how about this? Yeah. Does the stupid rubber hat actually erase pencil? I mean, uh, does, does it actually does erase the, anything
2: at all? That's like, what I'm does saying. Does he fall
1: over and erase half? That's what I'm saying. I mean, I mean, already now we're having a deeper discussion than when I first could have envisioned. Yeah. So this silly person wearing a pink hat and Mm. you go oh because it just it just relates back straight to this indiana jones juggling or this youth circus kind of is it just a pencil and then the pencil is just it's just your daughter wearing a
2: a pink hat and you just go and that's it and you go oh that's cute and you go oh
1: disney animation oh there's a pencil ha, and it's like that's the end of the story and so the reason i bring that up is because this idea of like you can't just juggle and then you kind of your first thing is in one way to ah I don't want to say, again, slap meaning onto it or, or try to slap some extra layers to it. But those, you have to be consequent with it. I think you could do more damage by trying to dress up, uh, and, and the, 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 for example, the juggling and not following through. Like the Indiana Jones thing. Oh, yeah. Honestly, when I saw that dude, was it entertaining? No. I'm sorry. Well, like, maybe, maybe it wasn't to you, but maybe somebody out there was just like no, no, No. Excited. no, no, no. No, what no, no. Hold on now. Now we're getting to the heart of the matter. Hold on. Frodo. <laughs> he, listen, I am glad. This was objectively not in the genre of good? No, no, no. Listen, listen. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I can explain it. I'm glad I saw his act. You know what was good about his act? Not the fedora. <laughs> no, but seriously. The juggling was the good bit? Or he was the good bit. Who cares? It yeah, doesn't yeah. matter. But I see this all the time. I see this all the time. I see this all the time. People will do a performance and they will have some overt characteristic to the performance, either whether it's the, the theme music or it's Indiana Jones or it's Disney's Frozen or you're a pencil. I don't care. Pick, pick something. Or you're a tennis player going through ten, two tennis rackets. I don't care what it is. What you want to do is you want to walk away from that act and you want to have a conversation with a real person or an imaginary person. It doesn't matter. The conversation, which means you have it with yourself mm. and you, you say, man, I really enjoyed that. Okay, why did I enjoy that? And if you walk away from this dude, go, well, it was amazing. The first thing out of your mouth, you go, because he had a bullwhip on his
0: hip. Mm.
1: There you go. Now he kind of cracked something with that Indiana Jones thing. Not a chance when I saw that act. Nobody talked. It was just a stupid excuse for him to be there. It was just a, (laughs) do you know what I mean? It was like a collective kind of agreement of like, we all have to wear this. We all have to watch him wearing this hat so he can be on stage. (laughs) Literally. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, we all kind of just agree that this is. (laughs) <laughs> we, well, he's going to wear the hat so he can, because he can't just juggle,
2: yeah, but yeah. he's
1: going to wear the hat and we're going to love him for him. We're going to love him for the juggling he did. But I think about this a lot. I really think about it. I go see these shows, um, a lot of contemporary circus shows and here's a great example. Here's a great example. Um, in Sweden, there's been a lot of shows where circus has been combined with opera. Yep. Circus has been combined with theater. Cause of course there's the whole economic structure of politics of why that, why that gets bought and sold. And here's the thing, man, you go, you go see the show or, or you go see a show and there's a theme like, like, um, you know, you're going to do, do the theme of recycling, or you're going to do a theme of, of, uh, gl- uh, climate change or what, you know, it's pretty trendy right now to do these, these contemporary circus shows with themes. And when you walk away from that show and you ask somebody from the general public, or you ask yourself, or you ask your friend, you're going to have a discussion. And you, what you can do is you can say, First of all, did I like the show? Yeah, yeah, I'm glad I saw it. I liked it. Okay, why did you like it? Man, I just want to say, at least in my experience, it's never the number one thing is, man, I like that opera because the bassoon player did a really fast trill at minute two hour and 38 (laughs) minutes, you know, it's always like, oh, I love the opera because the teeterboard act, they did a crazy sequence with like triples back to the board, Mm. right? that's the value there. And that's what irks me or that's what makes me confused or, or makes this whole conversation about you can't just juggle. Because just juggling, you can't just teeterboard, you can't just circus, you can't just sword swallow, you can't just tap dance, you can't just whatever the skill is. Because I think these skills are powerful. When people go see circus and opera, I just saw one here in Helsinki, the circus opera here in Helsinki. People in the audience were losing their minds. They were not losing their minds because they were hearing Carmen Burana for the 100th time. They were losing their minds because somebody did a double uh, layout back to a Russian bar. Mm. That was powerful. That was something meaningful to them, right? And I'm not saying the music detracted. And I'm not saying that, that the situation... No, but situation that, that was
2: all part of the set and the setting of the thing. And it's now... So now it's it's been elevated or combined with high art hmm. like opera yeah, is pretty yeah. sort of high art so now it's in that setting and you get the feeling oh we're getting the best in the world and then you see it m- more clearly because it's in that thing and they don't have to sell the show in uh, in hmm. it's not in a uh, traditional circus in a small town or whatever it's even kind though of, that it, act
1: might be seen in it's that kind town. of ironic then that like it's kind of ironic then that like all of the accoutrements or like the decoration around the circus allows the circus to just be circus. Yeah, and, and have the impact as like what? like But maybe to yeah. a certain
2: like, I don't know how that guy juggling there with the fedora and Angela Jones, maybe though at the event or whatever, yeah. they would book him because he did that and then those people would get to see juggling and it was the fedora that made them enjoy it just like they l- listen to the opera yes. and then you do the things and then they it see o- the skills for what it was because you have that hook that somehow grabs them. You have the music and you have that thing. Now, well, that's the
1: function of having it even be in front of their eyes. Yeah,
2: so that guy you know? got the gig because he wasn't just exactly. a juggler. Exactly. He was in Janet Jones doing the... In Janet and that Jones goes battle. back to
1: that idea of like in this phrase of like, you can't just juggle or you can't just sword swallow or mm. you can't just whatever. It also goes back to that again, the unspoken parts of that of like what is the mechanism by which work is seen. And part of that is the whole political and we've been talking about this lately too, the business side, the yeah, yeah. The, the 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 method by which you know work is yeah, produced. The politics and all this sort of And yeah. the and the trends and the and the yeah, the trends trends within kind of,
2: performance and trends within the, in the networks and,
1: and, and also the trends in the world. Yeah, the zeitgeist what's that, of what's yeah. going on right now. Yeah, totally. And that allows work to be accessible in different ways. So maybe and and it goes back to that idea of the genre of good. Right. It's like it's like people don't hate juggling. People don't like it, but they like things that are good. And if you can get that good thing in front of their eyes, that's also part of the game. Mm. That's also part of the thing. Like you can't like I never thought about it like that. That's great. The, The phrase you can't just juggle also implies the business side. Mm. <laughs> right like like that I can totally relate to that that's that's totally good advice actually hey you can't just juggle you also have to like send an email and maybe have a website or print a business card or yeah. like that's and also, also you have
2: to distinguish yourself out as to not just be here's a guy that juggles but why would we book this particular guy that's so that's marketing kind of going why would I book this guy I work? love that oh and it's because he does I love that he does juggling like this or he does most rings in the world or it's like what did we talk. Eric talked about this I so like on oh, when you were booked because
1: you were the guy that did eight balls. So yeah, we're not we're not living in that world anymore. But back, yeah, no, hundred years, years, years ago, hundred years ago, it was like, it was like oh, that. He was you're the guy who did
2: pirouettes. He, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was the guy that invented doing pirouettes yeah. he juggled and did pirouettes. Then yep. he did that and you're going like, oh wow, I never seen that before. It's like
1: you're the one who who there's the guy who did club kickups. Yeah, and like that was like, oh, that was one the guy thing. Who did club kickups. Yeah,
2: so then that's become become a thing. So
1: I really well, wish well, when I was eight or nine or ten or sixteen or eighteen or whatever, that guy in France who yelled at me, how cool that have been if they were like hey, you can't just juggle, you also have to be yourself. Mm. Man, that would've changed my life. Yeah. Would've changed my life.
0: All right. Now that's a little bit of a uh, rapid cut there because the next part of this exciting, uh, uh, wide-ranging conversation will wrap up uh, next uh, episode with a additional bonus question. Uh, He added this uh, right towards the end and We'd already sort of run out of the time that we wanted to spend, but we did one more question and it went on for quite a while, as might not surprise you um, and uh, next uh, episode we will talk about that and it, it was, he really sort of digs into my uh, process not just of uh, creating sort of creating an act, but he really asks some questions about my process which integrates my everyday um, life and what I read, what I think what I do, what, I, what poetry and movies and all this, how do I relate this uh, directly to my work and uh, so next episode we will be talking about that and until that time if you want to buy me a virtual coffee you can do that at Captain Frodo at uh, buymeacoffee.com slash captain frodo and uh, if you want to get yourself a sweet hoodie or a sweet t-shirt or you want to get a lovely uh, singlet for somebody you love then you can do that you'll find the uh, details for that it's too long and too complicated of an email address or whatever internet address for you to um take down as i'm right saying it here so just look in the show notes and um, um yeah until next time then um, take care of yourself and those you love And I really hope to see you along
1: the way.